this is the Kings Road Slayer, Derek Neal, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Hey, this is Jimmy from the Live and in Color with Wolfie D and Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. Would you like to also make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. And that's how you're hearing this right now. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's made the job of producing multiple podcasts so much easier. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And I'm here as always with my brother from the same father and mother, the Plastic Sheik, Jared Street. What's up, Sheik? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Just hanging and banging, brother. Just doing this podcasting thing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if I was doing Macho Man or Hogan. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe you're doing Macho Hogan. Macho Warrior Rick Hogan. You know, that yeah. was a guy. You heard of him? Yeah. Before? Yeah. I heard yeah. of him. Memphis, right? Yeah. Wow. He's not doing too good. Let's just say that, but not in his health, but he made some very bad decisions. But anyway, mm. I don't want to start Derek Neal's episode with that. <laughs> so. Okay. Going on, we've got an awesome guest today. We've got the one and only, the real deal, Derek Neal.
Neal, the one and only Kings Road Slayer. I mean, he's got all kinds of names, but Derek's a, a real deal dude, man. He He's actually, I would say, one of the more busier guys that we've ever interviewed, actually, on this show. So Yeah, man, he looks like he's getting it done out there. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's so busy all the time. He's got a full-time job, and he's got kids, and he's also a full-time wrestler, man. He's, he's wearing it out. But first of all, you know, I know Derek, but we've known each other from the past. Second of all, Ben Jordan said, hey, you ought to get Derek Neal on. Then when I said, hey, we're bringing Derek Neal on, all these other guys were like, heck yeah, that's awesome. So in turn, that means we're going to have a good show today, I think. That, that, I think the predictors are out of a good episode. So, Yeah, I think so too, man. It's a, <laughs> I feel like all of them have been going great. And, um, you know, I just feel like let's add another one to the list. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is as we look at this paperwork and stuff, much like Scott Spade, there's some different names on there that always, that are, you know, sometimes we get in the game of like too many guys are too close to one another and they got so a lot of the same names on the lists and stuff like that. So this will be nice to step away from that a little bit and get some new fresh blood in and, and talk, man. And by the way, we've got, I, I want to announce it now, but we've got some incredible shows coming up. So y'all just stay buckled in. Definitely got some cool names coming up that are out of the ordinary too i think and yeah one name if we land the one name i'm going to be so stoked but other than that i I don't want to let on too much yet just because we haven't dotted the i's and crossed the t's brother you know so (laughs) anyway yeah how you doing man you doing all right yeah i'm doing good man doing good uh i might have a i might have a little surprise coming up for uh you and little sheik coming up so we'll We'll maybe discuss that in the future, but oh yeah, I, here I keep going to the Macho Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't you're, stop. You're channeling your inner Mach today. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I woke up today and I think I'm just Macho Man. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but long story short, I like surprises, and you know, you always have a good surprise. So definitely appreciate anything you surprise me with, even if it's just a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> Keep my heart going. <laughs> so, so go in, so go in the next room where Michelle is or something, and be like, if you go in there and you're like Elizabeth, Elizabeth, then you know you really uh, like much today. Much. Yeah, yeah. If I call Michelle Elizabeth, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, to kind of talk a little bit more about what's been going on, the first episode of Stories from Across the Street dropped, and when that was with Steel Real to Me, damn it, Dave Wills. Yeah, such a that was a fun episode with him, man. Yeah, man, I've, I've enjoyed listening to it. You know, because I think I think the thing we lose sometime in this viral world um, of little clips going viral is. What what's the what's everything behind it? You know, what why why did this clip go so viral? What was he thinking? What was he feeling that day? Like, um, you know, what was said prior to it? I mean, because a lot of people don't really know much about what was said prior to it. They just know the clip that, you know, Tosh.0 and YouTube and all these places have made famous, uh, but they don't really know the the man or the story behind it. Exactly. And that was my whole point of it. Now, not every episode is going to be a viral star, but I wanted, you know, like past the 30 seconds of it's still real to me. Damn it. Thank you, Mr. Funk for saying what needed to be said, that kind of thing. We didn't really know Dave. Now I know a lot of our listeners, our friends, Gene Jackson, Doug Markham, they know him well. Other guys have met him like at the Gulf coast reunion, Shane Morton, you know, Ben Jordan, those guys. But when it comes down to it, you know, we didn't know Dave and I didn't know Dave other than past, like he listens to the podcast and stuff. And we appreciate that Dave, but 
you know, I wanted to know the full details. And, and then I wanted to hear more about the Tosh because really, you know, a lot of, the Tosh was kind of like almost tongue in cheek. You know, they were playing mm-hmm. along with each other there. And I wanted the true story, you know, like really what 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 made him so emotional and you know him talking about the and if y'all haven't listened just go listen him talking about the death of eddie guerrero and then that caused terry funk to say you know what he said and that's what caused dave to be emotional and him being emotional led to him being on tosh it was just it was a great story and i I, dave's just awesome man you know i'm lucky now to call him a friend and definitely he's he's a fun guy and you know he's already trying to help us book guests man so i'm I'm excited about knowing dave now better so you know and dude the fact that uh the fact that the barbarian is his favorite wrestler is so cool to me i mean doesn't that tell you everything you need to know like (laughs) Like it's so easy for somebody to say Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Sting, Dusty Rhodes, Macho Man, Macho yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, whoever is their favorite wrestler, but for the fact that that Barbarian is his favorite wrestler, it is so awesome to me. I know, I know. I think it's so cool because it's original too, man. I mean, yeah. You know, he, and, and you know, the funny thing is, is his like email and everything is like conga, you know? So it's, it's like, he's definitely throwing his hat as far as to, you know, his, his, his enjoyment. And Dave, if you listen to the episode, I, I feel like you probably did at the very end, the, we see you later. That's barbarian saying yeah. that. So, you know, I was going to change it up because I did get my buddy Tracy Bird to write new entrance music for the stories from across the street show. But at the same time, I wanted to use the same ending with the Ric Flair and all that. And so it ends with the barbarian saying that we see you later from Body Slam. So. Yeah. By the way, just nobody think that we're, you know, the Beatles aren't breaking up here. We're, I'm just doing this show as an extra thing randomly when guys have good stories. So don't, you know, Sheik understands the deal. So additional, additional content. Exactly. We're just, I mean, I'm just, I've got so many ideas. I've got, I was talking to Kroll last night and I thought up two shows for him. And it's just like, Jimmy, you don't have enough time. Quit making up show (laughs) ideas, you know? So. <laughs> I mean, brother, it's like under the wire sometimes, you know. So yeah. anyway, well, I'm gonna shut up. I think we've got our intro here, but well, I think we should just get our guest Derek on. What do you think, she? Yeah, man, let's get to it. I'm anxious to talk to him. All right, we'll be right back after these messages for more of Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, 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 it's the Heat Boss of Scotty Blaze. Now I'm inviting all of y'all to join me on my brand new podcast, Turning Up the Heat with the Heat Miser Scotty Blaze. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join me. I'll be covering all the events of the day, global, national, pop culture, movies, gaming, whatever sounds interesting. But I'll also be playing some awesome skating shuffle music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, anything that has a good beat, I'm going to be playing it. You can rest assured. Come on over, TUTHradio.com. The podcast is on every major podcast platform. See you then.
All right, we are back with more from the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And like I told everybody in the intro, we've got an excellent guest. We've got the King's Road Slayer, Derek Neal. Derek, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Our pleasure, man. Good to have you. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, we're excited for this. You know, I, I tell you, brother, I was looking at your match history, and it's just like, where do we stop? Like, there's like part two, part three, part four. I swear to God, man, you're the busiest wrestler I think I've talked to. And I mean, because a lot of the guys, they wrestle back in the outlaws, and, you know, we don't unfortunately talk to as many current guys. And, and you know, man, I know you've been doing it, what, 20 years almost? I, I'm looking at your matches. I don't see a stopping point, brother. So how you feeling today? <laughs> um, well. Oh, I'm 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 glad I got the weekend off. <laughs> yeah, rest the body rest the body up a little bit. But yeah, um, I just hit uh, 20, 20 years for my first match in February of this year. Wow! Oh um, wow! That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I started I started young. I was uh, I started training like uh, sixteen weeks before I turned seventeen, and then yeah. uh, and then I had my I had my first match a few months later, and then obviously like kept continuing to train as you know as I was working. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, you know, to kind of start the show off here, we always start with the Sheik's favorite question here. Sheik, take it away. All right, Derek, this is going to just tell us your influences and tell the listeners your influence is in the wrestling business. If you could give us a list of four or five guys, like your Mount Rushmore of wrestling, who would that be? Oh, man. Uh, that's that's so tough because, honestly, there's so many greats out there. Um, yeah. but. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Rick Rick Flair is my goat. Yeah, you know I know we've always had the debate right Flair Flair and Michaels, but for me it's Flair. Yeah, yeah. No offense to Michaels, I mean he's no, one no. of the best ever, but but uh, you know Flair was kind of a mold for that I think in my opinion. Um, Amen. And then as far as two guys that that have heavily influenced me, especially in the last I would say ten years of as far as how I wrestle, how I carry myself. I'm gonna have to go with uh, Stan Hansen and Bam Bam Terry Gordy. Um, I oh, feel like man. those guys aren't talked about enough. Amen. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think Gordy was probably one of the best big men to, to ever do it. I, yeah. I've never seen a guy. I still haven't really seen a guy that moves like like he did. Um, especially if you go back and look at his, you know, a lot of his all Japan stuff. Like, oh yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would have to probably say uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, what? You know, uh, I love you. Know, you know, growing up, growing up for me, you know, when I was when I was, you know, like late, late elementary school into, you know, going into junior high, that was the attitude era. And yeah. uh, there was I, I and I can at least confirm, you know, in, in my school years, there was nobody that wasn't talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. From, from the from the from the nerdy kid to the to the all star quarterback, you know, of the junior high football team. They're yeah. all talking about him. Everybody was. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. No, that's true though. And you know, like Stone Cold Man, it's funny because he, you know, was stunning Steve and like nobody, it seems like people always forget about the earlier Stone Cold too, you know, even though he wasn't Stone oh, Cold. Man. I he mean, was the, amazing. Exactly. I love that guy. The Dangerous that Alliance and stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Hollywood Blondes. I was so jealous. I, I you know, uh, I was trained by, by Chris Michaels and um, I was looking back for YouTube and Chris actually got to work with Sonny Steve in 94. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I came across that about a month a month or so ago. Yeah, that's wild. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was th- I was thinking back to my, like my high school days. Like everybody was either obsessed with Stone Cold, the NWO, or DX, or something like that. I mean, or Goldberg, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, you know so. the Goldberg. You'd have you'd have people starting to talk about the Rock and the Nation too. You know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. During that time. Yeah, it's just a, if you really think about it, it was a really hot time for factions. Was absolutely, time. absolutely was. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's a. I think those four are awesome, and I love to see those big bruiser dudes, which makes sense for you. You know, that's kind of what the way you wrestle, and I love that, man. And uh, you know, the funny thing is, is like I don't think we've heard Terry Gordy on anybody's list, so you no. get extra points for that. And then Stan Hansen, we've we've had it on a couple guys' list, but still, uh, you know, tiny wangers, man. Well, if it ain't the teeny wangers. I love that dude. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is great. I know people. Some people shit on that movie, but I think it's awesome. Oh yeah, that's I, an I, awesome I, movie. I still watch it. Yeah, like man, dude. Oh, dude, totally. I love it just for his part. You know what I'm saying? Like just for Stan's <laughs> yeah. part. It, it's so funny. And then you got Bill Eady at the start. You know, wrestling. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 Stan Hansen part or the what's that smell? <laughs> what's that? Dookie. <laughs> Those are like the two best parts of the movie, probably. I know, man. I, know. I love it. The reactions are the best, man. This is the way he would react to stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, I think we. I think we just figured out your part two is we're going to do a watch along of No Holds Barred. Man. Yeah, that might be good, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, sounds good. All right, well, after we do the Mount Rushmore question, we always start with this. And, you you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about stuff, and I, we're just going to do it again. So the younger days, man, where were you born? Where did you go to high school? That kind of stuff. Okay, so um, I was I was born here in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Lived here my entire life. Um, and then uh, as far as high school, I graduated from Bowling Green High School, which uh, a lot of people – don't really know because he was always billed from Mudlick, Kentucky, but uh, it's, uh, the same high school Hillbilly Jim went to. Oh, that's awesome, oh, dude. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he was a crazy story, and I just I know it's kind of a segue, but uh, it's it was okay. my first time meeting a big-name wrestler. So this was back in the Coliseum video days. Yeah. So um, I'm, at, I'm at my buddy's house, and we're watching the Stone Cold Steve Austin, like the, the first like VHS that ever dropped, you know, kind of mm-hmm. covering his career a little bit. You yeah. watch it, and I go outside, and I see this just this big ass man across the road watching his giant Lincoln Continental, big white Lincoln Continental, and it was Hillbilly Jim. His mom lived across the street from my friend. Wow! So I got a piece of I got a piece of notebook paper, and I walked over there and got his autograph. Dude, <laughs> while well, I was watching his car, that is um, awesome. Sweetheart of a guy. Um, I, I would later, I'd later see him every once in a while. Um, when I was working at Kroger, like before breaking in the business. And, um, I, I remember one time I specifically saw him right after the, the, uh, the gimmick battle Royal deal at WrestleMania 17. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's, I remember that specific conversation because that's when I kind of like braved up enough to tell him that I, to tell him I wanted to try and be in the business. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the only thing, I mean, I'm sure he was probably, you know, looking at this 120 pound kid, like, you know, what the hell are you doing? But, uh, but you know, he did, he did give me, give me, you know, well wishes of good luck, I guess, you know, breaking in. 
That's awesome. So I would assume in the same high school, he probably played some sports. Did you also play some sports at Bowling Green? Um, I did. Um, I, I was a little bit, a little bit of a different bird, as you would say. Um, I did play uh, football on up until junior high, but at the okay. same time, and being from the south, this is probably going to, you know, knock some people for a loop. But I played hockey. Hockey, nice. Uh, okay, so, uh, I thought yeah. I remembered that yeah. about you. Yeah, uh, I was a, I was a center, um, and uh, I played. Um, I was uh, I played both, so you know you have roller hockey on inline skates, right? So I, yeah. I played that and I played ice. I played both. Okay. Now I would play. We we had an inline league here locally, but I would have to go to Nashville um, to play ice because that was the closest ice rink around. That was regulation size that that had a league, um, and you know I was pretty good, pretty good at it too. Um, I, as far awesome. as like roller roller hockey here in our town and. In high school, I won the scoring title like uh, three out of four years. Dude, um, nice. I I scored the overtime winner for the championship my sophomore year, and the uh, and the and the game winning goal in the in the penalty shootout my senior year. That's and, awesome, um, dude. <laughs> it was kind of like uh, well, we also have a college here. You know, you have Western Kentucky University. And, yeah. uh, they, yeah. they would, they would put me under other guys' names, but I, I would be a ringer if a guy missed. And I was doing that as a freshman in high school playing college club level. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's so that's, I was pretty yeah. good at it. And I mean, the original plan for me before, you know, breaking into business was, uh, University of Louisville, which is only like an hour and a half up the road from me. Mm-hmm. At the time they had, they did have men's team, NCAA, but it was, it was division yeah. three. Um, my, my plan was to actually go and walk on, um, my freshman year in college, but, uh, they actually closed the program due to budget cuts at the end of my sophomore year. And then a few months later, I started training to be a wrestler. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, how would you translate, you know, being a hockey player to wrestling? How would you translate that? Well, I mean, honestly, it's pretty easy. At, at least with like, if you look at the in, like inline hockey, there's no contact allowed, you know, as far as like, you know, body checks or anything like that. But ice hockey, there was. So it, it was pretty easy to translate, and, you know, transfer violence from ice hockey to the pro wrestling it wasn't very hard that's cool like i mean i think it's cool man that you 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 know first of all that's an original sport for this show you've you've already said terry bam bam gordy now you've said you played hockey i think you're the first wrestler to say you played hockey on the show so i'm thinking this is turning out to be a great episode man i'm excited so <laughs> we're on the start for a hot start bubba let's just hope i don't start slow and taper off towards the end you know <laughs> well that's how you got to do it man you know that's the southern <laughs> that's the outlaw way man <laughs> that's the outlaw way of doing it that's right <laughs> so when did you start liking wrestling very early um my grandfather was who got me into wrestling now he would uh being where he was in kentucky he would get a lot of the google tv um in nashville yeah so, that's uh, awesome you know, he would watch you know, like Tojo, Zebra Kid, uh, Gypsy Joe, a lot of those guys. Um, so he's the one that was the big wrestling fan. And, and when I was young, I, I, I want to say I was probably four or five years old. He yeah. found some old VHS tapes and, and gave them to me to take home. Yeah. And, you know, some of them were like um, like WWF, uh, Saturday TV. And then, but one tape that I'll never forget, is obviously it was WrestleMania three that he recorded on VHS. Yes. And... As cliche as it sounds, I, I did watch, obviously, watch Savage and Steamboat, and then that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
um, so I would say since about five years old is kind of when I fell in love with it. That's awesome. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, I think that was very similar for us. I mean, I remember, I, I feel like, you know, we watched Crockett a lot when we were growing up, but also we definitely, I remember WrestleMania 3 was, we rented that and my dad was trying to pick apart like, oh, here's where it was fake. And I'm like, shut up, dad. That's not fake. You can't tell me. <laughs> You know, it, 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 you know that's just a parent thing, right? And my dad was never a wrestling oh, yeah. fan, so they always like to try to pick that out. Now I would say, Dad, it's fixed. It's not fake. Shut up. <laughs> you know, Love you. you know, my 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 dad was kind of in the same boat, and so yeah. and even hated the idea of me training and all that. Yeah. Um. And then he, I got it was I was probably over a decade into my career when I got him to come watch me at a show. Yeah, and then he saw me just like piss off three hundred people, and he just got a kick out of that. Now he thinks it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, you know, it's funny. I feel like if my dad would have come to see me do a little bit of what I did, I think he would probably have at least appreciated the theatrics of it. Oh yeah, know? I like um, honestly. Like I, I remember when we were all all together. You were you were a little bit of a heater. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that, brother. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I wish we could have worked more together, brother. I really do, man. You know, you were yeah, you were doing yeah. a lot of stuff outside of there, so I, I was just kind of in that area and stuff. So, as a brother, he always knew how to push my button. So, I, mean. <laughs> I started with my brother. Yeah, exactly. Brothers are good at that. Uh, yeah. My that's my. I got a younger brother, seven years difference, and it's been a few years. But my my mom apologized to me for all the all the groundings and spankings I got from the times that my brother claimed that I hit him and I never did. Um, exactly well i was dumb enough to write my brother's initials on the wall before he could write so i was trying to get him in trouble but there's such a big gap between me and my brother so it was never like physical between us but it was was psychological yes exactly that's all the time I used to tell him to run to the fridge to get me something to drink, and I would act like I was timing him, and I would be like, oh, that's the fastest one ever. Next time, I bet you can beat it, you know? (laughs) It's horrible, man, right? It's horrible. I know. Yeah. Well, anyway, enough about us. Back to you, Derek. So, all right. So we we talked a little bit about it before the show started, but I can't let this go unmentioned. We are all three huge Cincinnati Reds fans. So obviously, you know, 100%. yeah, this and this was to one thing. Yes, exactly. To our yeah. heart, to our hearts and souls. But it shows that we're true fans of baseball. Let's just say that because if we love the Reds, we must really love baseball. So, <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we've we've grown up Reds fans. Now, in our area of Virginia, the Reds were the team before the Braves came along. You know what I'm saying? Because you know WLW 700 AM would would beam almost everywhere in the South, and you know when when you could hear the Reds on, it's just like it's in our blood. I always used to say we bleed Cincinnati red because you know that's just how our family it was my grandfather's favorite team my father's my, mine and my brothers and you know anyway so I think it was cool and that was something you and I early clicked on because you know I think either you had a reds bag or maybe I was wearing a hat and you were like I, I think it was something you had and I said oh dude you're a reds fan and then that automatically made me like you so <laughs> maybe been the hat it might have been a hat I wore Probably. red hats a lot and then, yeah. uh, you know, I did. I do got a Barry Larkin uh, jersey. So, oh, uh, yeah, and, and, a, and a King Griffey. So. Yeah, I've got one of the red 
80s style, the V-cut neck with the red all over, and it's got Larkin. Because I think Larkin's probably what, my was that Was it, is it, is it the Cooperstown collection? Yes, it is, exactly. I, yeah. I, got, the, I got the exact same one, yeah. Dude, I, I, got, I actually got it at a great American ballpark. That is, well, hey, time. that's nice. awesome. I got mine online, so you you've beat me. I get it. That's cool. <laughs> I, I quit going yeah, to Reds games because every time we go, they lose. So it's just like, man, I don't want to well, be that, a jinx, actually, you know. <laughs> I, I was lucky that day we did win. Yeah, uh, it's been a few. It's been a few years, but it was. I, I, that's when Chappie was closing. Was a closer. Oh, okay, very cool. And uh, yeah. Milwaukee was in town, and it was. It was truly a sight to behold watching Chappie pitch because when he would throw, like the only thing you would hear is just the hit of the mitt. You yeah. wouldn't even see the ball. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, dude. And, and, you know, I think that was probably when, like, Rich Hall used to kill us for the Brewers. I, I remember him playing for the Brewers. Yes. Yeah, we, he, had, we had Hall. Uh, they had Hall. They had Braun. Um, maybe our coach, Corey Derek Hart. Bell, too. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Corey Hart was there, which is uh, Corey Hart's also a product of Bowling Green. He, he graduated from the same school as my wife, same year. Nice. Uh, and he and he played. Yeah, I saw him play there. at the Nashville Sounds too when they were when they were a Brewers organization. I th- are they still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, I believe they're still AAA from Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I always hated that, but it was cool. You know, still cool to see teams but, play. I mean, now like, uh, well, you've heard about the White Sox moving, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Supposedly Nashville's a contender for for the for them, which I mean I, I think they should have had MLB years ago. And I would love I to think see it that. Done well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so but, you're still going to be a Reds fan though, because you're a Bowling Green guy. So it's not. Oh like yeah, that ain't going to change. I mean, yeah. For for a long so for a long time, I mean, you know, Cincinnati geographically was the team. You know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Was the team. I mean, and now. You know, it's usually like uh, Cincinnati Cubs or, or, you know, St. Louis, which right. that's where my wife's originally from, St. Louis. So me and my father-in-law, we have some we have some fun chats. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. I love you it. Know, they're, they're diehard cards fans. Can't hate them for it. You know, yeah. that's where they're from. But, I respect uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're from there, it's cool. But come on, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, I, for sure. Like, like, you can't knock it if that's where they're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect it. So, other than that, you should be a Reds fan, no matter where you live. If you don't live in the city of the team, you got to be a Reds fan. That's just the new rule. Oh yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> where, and especially like where, like where I live. You know, that's the closest proximity to to an MLB team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I think it's really close for where I'm, for, where we're from, and where Jared lives. It's like either the Reds or the Braves are probably the closest. Maybe the I don't think the Nationals are close enough, but. No. <laughs> Are anyway. you are you boys originally in West Virginia? No, we're we're from yeah. uh, well southwestern Virginia, so like near Bristol, okay. Tennessee. Yeah, gotcha. really, we're like forty five minutes from almost every state line, basically. So yeah, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. I've wrestled like one town. I've wrestled at like it, it's in like way eastern Kentucky, but uh, it's called Whitesburg, Kentucky. Oh, so, I know, oh, little man. town, man, small, oh, small town. town. Like like you yeah. can spit and hit Virginia. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, dude. Yeah. So I assume it's similar for wrestling, but they have a radio station there. It's kind of like alternative radio radio station there. And my band yeah. would come into Whitesburg and actually play a show. It was like a stop on our tours. And dude, wow. those kids would pour out of the mountain to come watch music, man. So I'm assuming it's similar for That's wrestling. Awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, really, you know, towns like that, and honestly, like as as silly as it sounds, like well, I mean, when I was coming up, like that's where you'd see the bigger houses were, and the little towns because there wasn't much going on. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's let's get like you were going. Let's get back to wrestling here. So obviously, you said you were trained by Chris. So is that kind of talk about the start of wrestling for you? How'd you get into it? Okay. So the start of wrestling for me, there's a local, and it's been a couple of times as a kid. I have gone and watched. Uh, you know, I'm sure. Have you guys heard of Dale Mann? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah legendary promoter in the state of Kentucky and all that, but like he would run shows. So that, that's kind of how I got introduced to like independent or I was in the nineties. So I guess you could say outlaw, whatever. Yeah. Um, that that's how I got kind of introduced that there was a, a different world outside of WWF or WCW. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I did go to an independent show as a young kid. And, uh, you know, I, I met this guy, I can't remember his name. Shit. Um, Kenny, uh, something I, it might come to me later, but his first name was Kenny. Um, he was a promoter. And then I did meet this other guy named, uh, Randall Hessen. Okay. Uh, who's kid dynamite who said he was going to train me and he okay. did for the first few sessions. And, uh, with, within one of, it, it was kind of weird. Cause at that time, like the promotion that Kenny ran, they lost the building. And then Terry England from UCW here in Kentucky. Absolutely. In, yeah. To take yeah. it. Well, well, Randall continued to work for, for Terry and, um, Chris, uh, just happened. Chris Michaels just happened to watch one of my training sessions. And, uh, before the show that night kind of pulled me to the side and told me that he thought as far as like basics and things like that, I was doing well and I seemed to have potential. Yeah. Um, so, you know, long story short, you know, Randall, uh, tried to, uh, continue to get me to pay him money even though he wasn't training me. Uh, so he, he wrenched me out. He wrenched me out of a few hundred bucks. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha, uh, man. And mm. then I, I ran in, I ran into Chris at another town called Cape city, not too far from where I live. And, you know, I kind of told Chris the deal because where we already talked before, where he thought I had, you know, done decent. Um, and, uh, you know, and then Chris, uh, we worked out an agreement where Chris would charge me so much per session. And, Honestly, compared to the expertise and experience that Chris had to other trainers, it was a sweetheart of a deal. I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, Chris downheartedly is like one of the best, one of the most good hearted guys I've ever known. He's very, I think he's very selfless in my opinion. Super uh, underrated. Super, super. Very. Like Bobby so, Eaton level underrated. Honestly. Dude, yeah. it's, the man couldn't have a bad match if he tried. That's what Chase Stevens I said mean, in an interview we did with him. He's like, I've tried to have a bad match with Chris and could not do it. It's just, I mean. You can't do it. You can't yeah. do it with that guy. Yeah. It's impossible. I, um, no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, he took a young kid under his wing, you know, 17 years old, showed him the ropes. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned Chase. Uh, like, you know, Chris would let me train with Chase as well. Uh, you know, Chase had a few students. Yeah, and I would train with Chase um, in in Cave City. Um, I would train with Ch with Chris in Cave City. I would even train with Chase sometimes in uh, Madison, Tennessee, uh, cool. when Tony Falk was was running USWO down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know that's you know those those guys helped me out. 
yeah. you know, I, I think that they could see that that I wanted it bad enough, and I was willing to do whatever it took to to be to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, um, I was lucky that those that those guys pulled in to you know to to help me out. That's very I mean, cool. Even Chase gave me Chase gave me a per session rate as well. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, because a lot of guys are like, it's 1500 down, 1500 later, whatever. And, you know, yeah. or it's 500 now, and then they run you to death. And then when you come back, it's more another 500. And yeah. Well, and, I mean, that, and that's kind of how it was back then. You know, like, you know, they, they wrote boys in, stretch them, whatever, try to make them quit because they were, you know, heavily more trying to protect exactly. wrestling. Now, I'm not going to say sit here and say it was easy for me. I mean, you know, they. They 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 ran it on me. They tested me, you know, to yeah. see if if this is what I really wanted or not. But you know, I, I got through it. I love it. I think it's awesome. So, Derek, when was uh, when do you consider like your first match? When do you, when was that? And what like promotion promoter was that for? And so, my first match was as uh, I think it was like February twenty third of oh three. Uh, small small promotion in Gallatin, Tennessee, called SWA. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Okay. I can't remember exactly what the letters stand for. It's been. It's been. I think it's Southern Wrestling Association. It's been a long time, but I, I worked with sense. a local. I worked with the local promoter there. His name was uh, uh Tim Scruggs. Um, he had a hooded gimmick that he did called Master Dragon, and uh, that that was my very first match. Um, okay. I with as far as the finish uh, that I remember. Um, he had me on the up and up, had him on the heels and, uh, you know, he, he got the gimmick out, blasting me over the chain, one, two, three, whatever. But, uh, that was my first experience in this little tiny VFW hall in Gallatin. That's cool. Yes. That's very cool. So in 2004, you actually end up making your way to the USWO and it, it shows that your very first match with the USWO was with Farron Fox. Now, if I'm wrong, please correct me, but is no, that, no, you're, you're, you're right. I, well, I paired with Farron Fox. So okay. I'll give you a little backstory. So I, I did the stuff in Gallatin. Chris Michaels actually had his own promotion called UCW Tennessee. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, ba- yeah. ba- based out of Springfield. Uh-huh. I, I did some work there um, in '03, and then um, and then whenever I was finally old enough to get my Kentucky wrestling license, yeah, um, I I did I did work in Kentucky in the fall and winter of '03. On into '04, I kind of bounced back and forth between Kentucky and Tennessee, and then it was the fall of '04 is when I come to Madison, Tennessee for USWO, and um, I ended up teaming with uh, with Richard Lowe and Farron Fox as the fashionable males. Nice. I never forget it. Uh, <laughs> we, we, well, we did, we, we, we did a thing where we, where we, uh, we took a spike and we gouged out Ty Blade's eye. Okay. Okay. In Madison, and we did it in Madison. It was on Harris street, you know, Madison, Tennessee. And I'll never forget it. Cause we had to get like, uh, I'm very early in my career, but we had to get like an escort to our car. Yeah. Cause we had yeah. so much heat yeah. like, right off the job. That's awesome, dude. Man, you're learning it fast. <laughs> Quick. You know, yeah. like, I, I was lucky that, that I got to experience that. Like, you would think that's scary. And, yeah, it sounds scary. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's an adrenaline rush that, that I just can't explain. Yeah. Um, but eventually I did turn uh, did turn babyface and, uh, and began to work with Farron yeah. a little bit. So it might be the first match that you saw. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah i did i did get to do it and like farron was great because like i didn't know i didn't know shit about tv local right. whatever like right didn't know right. nothing yeah you know like farron farron was a guy that taught me how to work hard can taught me how to look at the camera when cutting a promo you know and and, and like the little things as far as like your facials, intensity, things like that. Like Farron showed me all that very, very early in my career. I was very lucky that, that he got to do that for me. That's awesome, man. But, That's very cool. You know, he, he showed he's he's the first person that I ever worked with in my career that showed me how television works. That's awesome, man. But I mean, that that's important, and you're learning it early on too, which is awesome. Yeah, very. You know, yeah. and, like, and, and you know, like and just like guys like you know, like Tony and. and and Kroll, you know, giving just giving us the young guys a chance. Yeah. You know, yeah. For, for people to watch our stuff. Not only, you know, for the people buying the ticket, but for people who happen to click it over to the channel or over on TV. Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. So uh, I see here in um, 2007, you worked for UCW and you tagged with uh, Doug Vines and Ricky Morton. How was working oh, with man. those guys? <laughs> like, even like, I, I want to say it may have been like, Oh six, maybe I got to work with Doug Vines, and you know, and Doug, Doug is really known for working for Angelo Papa. Exactly the Papas, man. That's what, yeah, he's yeah. one of the ballroom brawlers. Yeah. As far as a person, one of the funniest guys ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely hilarious. But like, whenever I started, uh, you know, in late '03 at UCW in Tennessee, Doug was doing a lot of the booking then at that time. Okay. Okay. I learned, I learned so much from him. And eventually we got to where like we were booked in an angle against each other. Um, I still have that. I still have the blow off. I think laying on it's, it's on VHS laying around in my house somewhere. But, um, I learned a lot from Doug, like as far as like the psychological aspect of the game, drawing heat, um, getting people, you know, just downright getting people to care, you know, as far as what you're doing. That's awesome, Um, man. That's awesome. I got to get Doug Mines on a podcast, man. Doug is Doug is a wealth of knowledge and and like very as, as somebody that like I'm I'm extremely grateful for that I got to have that early in my career. Yeah. How'd you feel tagging with Ricky Morton? I think it was like a six Dude, man tag or maybe, but it, yeah. it, it was a uh, it was a six man tag. Uh, it may have been Brownsville, Kentucky. Maybe yeah, I, think, I don't know. I think you're I, right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, which is, I, I actually, if if memory serves me correct, I did a double shot that night. Yeah, I think I went. Is either I think I went from either is either Franklin or Nashville to Brownsville, um, <laughs> which y- y- you don't hear about double shots much anymore. No, but, you uh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a thing <laughs> of the past. It is. But, uh, it is. but yeah, get, getting to work with somebody like Ricky was was wild. I mean, it was. Uh, Cause you know, I did watch Ricky growing up as a kid, you of know, course. and just, it was definitely the, you know, that surreal, that surreal feeling, right? Like if you see like somebody you looked up to as a kid, whether they were an athlete, television personality, whatever, you know, um, it, it was almost like a pinch me moment, I guess. And yeah. That's the only thing I could, I could compare it to. And then like, it, now I'm fast forwarding way later on, but like, um, even getting to work with uh, Ricky and Robert was, 
I couldn't believe the shit was happening. <laughs> I'm sure, dude. Yeah, I'm really sure. Good. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, that was our tag team growing up. Before I dyed my hair clear, <laughs> I was blonde and my brother was dark hair. <laughs> so we were, Ricky and, <laughs> we were Ricky and Robert. And so, you know, I even had people call me Ricky sometimes. I'll be like, my name is Jimmy, but call me Ricky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were total. Another crazy nuts. story. Yeah, I was I was in Tennessee like working for Chris at the time, and uh, okay, uh, Chris got got Bobby to come in. Oh man, it's the first time I ever met Bobby. Okay, so like Chris is doing this angle, Bobby comes in, and then like him and Chris have it out, and then like it's it's like uh we're we're all backstage in this one single room, but there's two doors. Yeah, you know, so we got like a baby and a hill door, right? And uh, well. During the during the Schmoz thing, like I wasn't working that night, so I was security. Yeah, okay. okay. I watch I watched Chris throw Bobby into the wall and Bobby just like headbutts the shit out of this wall, man. <laughs> and puts like the biggest hole in it. And I'm like you know, I'm sitting here like, What the fuck is going on? It's like you know, it's like intermission, I go back to the back and Bobby's laughing his ass off drinking his coffee. I'm like, This son of a bitch is crazy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't see no like in my life. That was the first time, that, and that was the first night I met Bobby Eaton. You know, yeah. like, God, man, is that really how he is? <laughs> but sweetheart of a guy, man. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby was the best. He really was, man. And getting to know him, the the just a little bit that I did, he was he honestly got me over with a lot of the veterans at Saw because I had worked with him some in Virginia. And then yeah. I came out and then managed him a match up in Kentucky for Porter and then actually managed him again at Porter's in Nashville. And then I got to, and then I get to Saw and he's sitting there and I walk in immediately. And you know, that back row where like Reno and Cersei and Wolfie would sit back on the back wall there, kind of in front of the green. Yep. So I walked up to yep. Bobby, he jumps up and says, Hey brother. And he gave me a big hug. And I look out of the corner of my eye and I see Reno and Wolfie looking at each other. They're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, <laughs> like, and, it, and then Reno makes these like hand gestures and you can imagine it. He's like, well, if Bobby likes oh, him. Yeah, I it's all right, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Actually, I just I I talked to Reno not too long ago on the phone. Just that's awesome. Yeah, kind of catching up and stuff. Yeah, great guy. He's going to be on the show oh, soon. Reno's awesome. Yeah, man. we're we're going to get yeah, him. Y'all got to get him on. I'm going to tell you right now. That man has got like a great yeah. a great amount of stories that he could share. I mean, he's he, not only has he can talk about the Mount Rushmore, we'll probably ask him, like, out of the guys you wrestled, who is on the Mount Rushmore? Because it's all of them, you know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Like, he's done, as far as, like, the guys who are the guys in this business, like, he's been in the ring with all of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he really has, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll get back to Derek Neal now. So, Derek, in, 2000, oh, in 2008, you make your way back to USWO, and you're actually working there pretty regularly. And there, for the first while, you're absolutely married to Richard Lowe. You're working him constantly. But you also, yeah. you know, you're tagging with White Tiger. You're working Kevin Dunn, Chris Norte. You pass the heavyweight title back and forth with our buddy Mike Jablonski. Obviously, you get yep. to work Jamie Dundee as the convict. Then you're you another <laughs> guy you end up getting married to, Damian pain you guys work together a lot tim renesto you tag with psychomedic talk about your time there especially during that time man the, the memories like instantly came flooding back right when you said that <laughs> um 
like with Jablonski, like that was the first time. Like uh, so during that time in, in uh, like what, when I was working with Jablonski and I got the USW Heavyweight Championship, I think that's in that timeline, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yes, sir. Yeah, it um, is. I did get it. I was working with uh, with Damian Payne. At, I can't remember if it was a Friday or Saturday night. I remember it was Valentine's Day because I got heat with my wife because I took a booking. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, uh, you, know, you know, I did the deal trying to smooth it over and go out to dinner before making the town, right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, Come on, baby. Help me out. I took a drop kick from Damian Payne or, you know, John Wayne Murdoch. What his fault. Right. I think it was just a. He caught me at the right place, but I ended up getting a gray two tear uh, yeah. in my AC joint. Oh, and then, uh, I'm trying to think. I think that night, that last night that I took, well, no, it was during that time we worked with Mitch Ryder in a three way. Yeah. It was me, Jablonski, okay. and Mitch. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that night, man. I was, I was riding with Mitch Ryder. My headlights went out in my car. That's for a whole other story if you got time. Sure. Almost stabbed a hobo. Almost stabbed a hobo at the stadium in. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's go ahead. We'll, we'll preface that first. So it was a Saturday night show, and it, at that time, that's when when Tony Falk built the Shields. You know, they was like kind of co-promoting together, running that ATL wrestling on Saturday mm-hmm. night. And that night they had um, that was a big show. Like right? the, the main event that night was 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 wrestling. Dad, you know, Chris. That's my dad. I call him dad all the time because he's old. Don't tell him that. Uh, he worked with with uh, with Densmore. All right. I got this shitty '87 Honda, and uh, the the light, the stick that controls the the, the headlights broke out of the mother. <laughs> I had it happen once before on yeah. another car, so I'm trying to like stick up. The only thing I got is my pocket knife. The first time I had a a flathead screwdriver in the middle of a tornado warning. Oh you know, man! Mm. The lights on. I had, I had, a, I had a, all I had was a little case pocket knife, and I'm sitting here trying to jimmy it, trying to get the headlights come on. Yeah. And I had my window down, and this hobo just comes up in my window, sticks his head in there, and goes, "Hey!" and almost stuck the blade right in his neck. Oh my god! And part of life saved me. I dog cussed that son of a bitch because it scared me, man. Like, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like, God, you know, the guy's probably just asking for money. You know, I like, you know, I, you know, I'm glad I didn't stick him. And then, then, but at the same time, I'm mad because he come up in there in my space. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, that was a hell of a night. My old lady went to like a concert, in like Louisville, <laughs> and had to like come pick me up. Like after the concert, like four a.m. down in Nashville. Oh man! Get me back home to Bowling Green, and then we had to drive back home while it's daylight out for me to get the ride back. You know? Yeah. Crazy oh, shit. Oh man! Oh man! But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. During that time, I'm sorry I got so segued, but uh, you know, yeah, I got to work with uh, you know Jablonski and even Mitch, and that was kind of my 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 break in to the Midwest. You know, was because of that. Yeah. Because yeah. of that match that we had. Um, and then, uh, you know, Renesso, I got to work with him in Nashville, but I also got a Shelbyville. Yeah. Okay. At the time, you know, the, the Mullins brothers were the promoters down there. Right. And I got right. to work a match or two with him down there at the, I think it's called Stadium Cab Company down in Shelbyville. On Stadium Cab. I-24 yep. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of history there, you know, during that time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, who, who else did you mention there? So I mentioned, you know, you were you were married to Richard Lowe. We talked about that. You tagged with White yeah, Tiger. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Dunn, Chris yeah. Norte, Jamie Dundee, you know, all that. Chris so. Norte. Man, I ain't heard that name in a while, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, you were with them a lot. You looked like you worked around. I them. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, no, I like Norte, good guy. Another fellow Cincinnati Reds fan. Exactly. He was a Giants fan, and then he moves to Cincinnati and gets a real team. Yep. Well, he was originally <laughs> from he was originally from California, I think, wasn't he? I think so. Wasn't yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty right. positive. Right. Yeah. So he he well, was okay. He, he tried. He yeah. chose the right side of things. So I he I sure did. Heat no, not a bit. Not a bit. <laughs> I was in a bad spot. I was like, in a bad spot one time coming through Nashville, and I was like, "Man, I, I need a soft place to fall tonight, brother. Can you help me out?" And he was like, "Yeah, come on." And I did. It was nice. He, I've always liked Norte, so it's been good. Cool. Good. He's good people, man. Like yeah. I, I've honestly, throughout my career um, and working with him, I, I never had a bad interaction with him. Uh, yeah. Now he did have a tag partner. I think New York Gangster. Yeah. Okay. They tagged yeah. for. I did not have a good so interaction with him one time and had to get held back in the locker room. I'd love to uh, hear about that. <laughs> no, it was, it was kind of over over a finish and how things went in the match. Uh, basically, things did not go according to plan. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of lost my shoot a little bit. Understand. But, uh, but I never had a problem with Norte at all. Uh, I That's mean, he's always been cool with me and respectful. Um, he's a cool dude. As far as, like, he is. You know. As far as as far as business, you know, you always try to do business. You know what I mean? I got to manage him against Ricky Morton, which was one of my life's goals was to manage against Ricky Morton. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But Norte was, that was, that was fun, man. It wasn't very long. And Ricky was like, you know, the nicest thing Ricky said to me was like, brother, I wish we used you more. And I'm like, it's okay, buddy. I didn't need any of that. I just needed to stand out there. Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the record books against Ricky Morton. That's all I needed, you know? So, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, man, that time, like at the stadium, in like I, it was wild. Like, because if you think about it, like you had ATL wrestling, you had USWO. Exactly. There's a, there a guy. There's a guy named Billy Woodard. Like he would run this A1 wrestling. Okay. Sometimes, man, I would work three nights a week in the same building. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, it was wild. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like if you think about it, like like it was wild, like it was good for us boys, you know, getting work, but like it was kind of bad for the promoters, you know, because. Right, and it ain't it ain't a knock on nobody, but you know you kind of oversaturate the area, right? You do, yeah, yeah. You know, you basically had four nights of wrestling in East Nashville with if you counted Porter on yeah. Thursday, you know. So it, it was kind of a running joke. Like I'd hear guys like sometimes talk about it. Like when I was like early in my career, like oh four oh five, you know, you talk about the boys. Oh, you know, we could be forty milers and work five nights a week. You really could, man. It was easy, actually. You know. Yeah, and, I mean, sometimes I would do it. You know, I, I would do I would do the double shot from Laverne to Nashville. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Try to clean up a little bit on some money. Yeah, might as well. Bit. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you you were you brought him up, and and I do want to talk about it. Like you said, that you got into Mitch Ryder's XCW Midwest out there. So obviously, you did get out there into another territory from working at the USWO. Talk a little bit about yeah. what what got you there, especially you know. Oh Mitch. man! So like, obviously, a lot of it was like. So during that time that you're talking about, like with like Jablonski and all that, you know, I told you I got the AC joint there. Yeah. Um, 
the the doctor it got to the point where the doctor told me like look you know you you're gonna take time off or you're gonna worsen it and completely tear it and we're gonna have to drill your drill your collarbone down onto your shoulder. Mm, uh, so I, I went in I went in that night I, I'll never forget it. So I, I might talk about a little bit of my party indiscretions. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> but at the time, you know, you, you had the you had the sparks energy drink, right? The alcohol I energy drink. I very much remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, I would call this the double whammy. So like you would, you take a pint of Jaeger, you knock it down, and you chase it with the sparks. Yes. Mm. Wow, that's oh, like a super whammy. Jaeger bomb. The double whammy. I My like shoulder. that. <laughs> buddy of mine, see, and I was even playing adult league hockey at the time, like roller hockey. Oh even with God. his shoulder being bad. Yeah. A buddy of mine was chiropractor. Uh, he, you know, good old Canadian guy, you know, good guy. He got me all taped up and stuff so I could get through this match. And I get down to the stadium, knock down my stuff so I get through this shit and I feel nothing. Yeah. I go through the match where I can get through it. Um, and I took a couple months off. And, uh, you know, and then when I was ready to come back, you know, it's kind of perfect timing because, uh, you know, my second son – Jackson was about to be born okay. around that time. Yeah. And then like, uh, we already, like we already had to stop his labor twice. And like both times I was on the road, mm. she had to go in, mm. go in and get the labor stop. So, um, you know, so like, I was like, well, you know, it'd probably be good to take time off while, you know, to heal and, and the baby and all that. So I did that. Got to talking to Chris and, um, you know, Chris got me put in touch with Todd Morton who was booker for, for Mitch at XCW Midwest. But he was also booking for another Kentucky promotion. They ran kind of closer to Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so I went out there and worked. Todd and, you know, me and Todd really hit it off, me and Todd Morton, uh, which Todd Morton's had a great career in his own right. You know, he oh, was together in Memphis. And yeah. He did a lot. He did a lot of enhancement stuff in WCW. Like, he did a lot of really good things. And uh, yeah, and then Todd got me in there. You know, once Todd kind of fished my name, Mitch. Mitch was like, "Yeah, let's bring the kid in." Um, and then uh, actually rewind back. Mitch had kind of like a feeder system called XCW Ground Zero. I did oh, okay. that okay right before I took my time off. Um, and I did. I think I did a three way with. Uh, it may have been uh, Damian Payne or Shane Smalls. I can't remember for sure. I okay. did. I think that's what it was. Um, and then I took my time off. But um, but then I came back when I was ready to come back off the injury. I started doing those Kentucky towns. And then I, I got to meet Bull Payne for the first time. Nice. Which was a trip. Yeah. And me and Bull hit it off pretty good. Um, and then I got to XTW Midwest. And, like, through that, like, I started as a heel. I, I think I was a heel the whole time. Um my first match with XTW was actually against Plunky. Nice. nice. In a oh, yeah. court in Indiana. And I was at, no, I think that I was actually a baby face for that match. I went over, Todd liked my stuff, wanted to make me a heel. And then, like, I got to be with, like, the who's who. And this is how I really learned how to work like a heel. So I got to be in a stable with, with Todd Morton, Cody Hawk, and Bull Payne. Wow. Wow. That's a crew. Yeah. That is, that's awesome, oh, man. Oh, man. Was it ever. I got to learn a shit ton. Like, this is such a great time in my career. So, like, I had that. And then, like, uh, they had Mike Bucci coming in as a uh, supernova. 
or mm-hmm. uh, Simon. No, he was doing Simon Dean. And, um, so like he, he was on, you know, he was, he was building up. Eventually it built up to him and Chris for the title. Cause I, I, I want to say Simon had the championship whenever the blow off happened. But, uh, but Simon is right around the time Simon got released from OVW. And, um, so like he was, he was giving me advice and didn't have to. Yeah. I just watching my matches. I come back. He's like, Hey, do this, do this and do this. And I made sure the next time I come back through it and I, I would work on that, but I make sure I pretty much had it down to a T at the next date. Cause they would only run like the first Tuesday of every month for Mitch. So I made sure I had it down to a T and like, like basically I was getting free training from a w, former WWE talent scout for like a half a year. Dude, that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky. I got to do that. Like, for those six months, I got to dress next to Ricky Morton, and and Ricky actually told me, "Hey kid, grab a chair, please come sit next to me," and I just listened. Yeah. And like I, I wasn't I wasn't only taught about like things about the wrestling business, like but like all those things that he taught me, like I could apply it to real life. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, dude, can you can you imagine? I mean, the young. <laughs> Derek Neal sitting there thinking he was going to be sitting there chewing the fat with the man himself. I mean, that's crazy, dude. That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Like that time was so wild. Like I had that. Like I got to work with uh, like one guy that that I don't think he talked about enough, and, and he should be. Um, his name's Chad Collier. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. Was, he he was one of the last students of the out of the D Malenko school. And, yeah, um, I worked with him right when he come back from Japan, dude. Um, dude. He's doing this character called a, uh, I think it was like a Super Metal Master or Metal Master, and I got to work with him. Yeah, and uh, he was he was literally in the opening while we were working. He's literally putting himself in holds for me, <laughs> doing it for me. I'm like, Man. what the. I went, how are we getting here? <laughs> and the funny thing is, I, I don't think he's working shows anymore, but I know the mother does magic, like magic tricks. Like wow. Okay. That's cool. So I go mean, figure. Yeah. The guy should have, the guy should have had a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. Through yeah that, I and like, I, I eventually found his ring of honor stuff that he did. Holy shit. That guy was great. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you talked about Bull Payne. Anybody go out there and look up Bull Payne's history. And I don't want to change it from Chad, but Bull Payne wrestled in the AWA when it was hot, 84 to 90. And he then was, he's in WCW he was, he and was everywhere. Of, he was one of the uh, one of the original Texas Hangman. Exactly. The, he was one of the yeah. originals. Yeah. yeah. I think he was Psycho maybe or something in that team. But anyway, yeah. I know they're – yeah, the Texas Hangman is probably his most famous tag team, but when it comes down to it, that dude was jobbing in the AWA during the big days, 84, man. I mean, seriously, that's like the Rimco toy days, you know? So that yeah. matter, like he was he was doing he was doing global as yep. you know, and, and like I think I think in AWA he may have been he may have been quick Rick Gettner. Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly. If, yeah. if, if memory serves me correct. Like Bull like I learned so much from that guy, man. I really did. Yeah, go look at his history up. I, I anybody listening right now, go look. At, if you don't know it already, go look up Bull Payne's match history. It's amazing. So yeah. So in 2010 for MECW, looks like you worked Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, uh, man. What a situation. So uh, um, I actually talked to the to somebody about this not long ago, but uh, but yeah, I, I worked Kyle O'Reilly. That was very. 
he may have just signed his first ROH contract or right before it. I want to say during that time, I think he, that there was a time where he was he was based out of St. Louis and he was yeah. living with Davey Richards. Oh, okay. Um, so I want to think that close to this time, but I, I worked, I had a match with him and yeah. uh, Daniel Engler or Rudy Charles. Rudy Charles, yeah. Or he Dan Engler. He, yeah. he was the referee in my match. Perfect situation. Um, Kyle was was a true pleasure to work with. Um, I, I got to work with him a couple more times after that. Um, but man, like we we just went balls to the walls and just we we kind of beat the shit out of each other a little bit. But uh, but like he was he was a really really fun to work with. He really That's was. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. So, in 2011, I know we're just jumping and jumping here, but this is one I have to bring up because this guy means so much to all of us. But there was a show, it was it was Crossfire, Marcus Pistorius running a show that was a co-promotion with Saul. And now yeah. it, it, then he got into trouble and had to drop the name Saul from the gimmick because I think either TJ approved it and then Reno didn't want to approve it. But anyway, I've heard the full story from Kroll. I'm just not as up on it. But you got to tag with the Wild Boy. And you yeah. here's, the, here's the other team, okay? You, it was versus our boy, rest in peace, Josephus, Tracy Smothers, and a Moon Dog. First off, you got to tag with the Wild Boys. Talk about that. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional because, um, like, two out of the, well, actually, all three of those guys on the other side they ain't here with us no more. Oh man, yeah, that's man. horrible. I didn't know that about Moon Dog. So, um, I. Kind of peeling back a little bit. The first time I like I know Tracy. First time I met Tracy, I was 18 years old, and yeah. I, I met him at, in Cave City, um, you know, for Terry England. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so we're so like I got to work with Tracy in like 2010. They surprised me with it. Chris surprised me with it, and uh, like I actually went over with Tra- on Tracy. It is crazy, man, because like even in 2010, like you know Tracy. You know, Tracy kind of has like mobility issues. Sure. Uh, yeah. Back, but I'm gonna tell you, when he turned the switch on, that shit was gone. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Because yeah. he was like, "Oh, you know, we ain't gonna do a whole lot." And I'm like, "Okay, man." <laughs> like I see him, I see him doing crunches in the floor. Yeah. You know, and like doing the shadow boxing stuff, and I'm like, "Man, he's kind of he's kind of turned on a little bit," and. It, he started calling like stuff that I did not think that he would want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, God, yeah. I'm like, here we go, boys. You know, <laughs> we win. But uh, I was surprised by a couple of guys like that in my career. Um, I'll tell another one if it's okay after this. Please, that. yeah, please. Uh, so I will never forget that night at the fairgrounds. That was uh, the second largest crowd I've ever been in front of in my life. I mean, it was a record breaking crowd that night. 
Yeah. And I, yeah. if I, if memory serves me correct, that may have been the first crossfire show. It was. Yes, but, sir. uh, yeah. Tracy pulled me to the side cause I had to cut a promo to interrupt Tracy. Cause he's doing like a legend thing. Okay. And, and like Tracy's like, look, he says, I want you to go out there. You're, you're, you know, you're going to talk shit. You're going to run down. You're going to run down Waller. You're going to, you're going to run down. I think Mantel Rocky Johnson was there yeah. that night. Wow. And then Tracy wanted me to call him one of the things that he hated the most in his life. He wanted to call me him. He wanted me to call him an old man. He wanted me to end, <laughs> end my, my statement with, you know what, old man, I don't like the way you look. <laughs> and oh, man. Yeah. So oh, what, man. what he said to me was, uh, I, I don't know if he was like, he may have been like serious. But it helped me get over my promo jitters, whether he knew it or not. Sure. He said, if you hit me in the air, kid, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so that's all mm. I'm worried about. We're right. Making sure that I place that slap in the right place. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, like, but, like, it was wild, man. Just, like, you couldn't hear yourself. Yeah. It yeah. was so loud out there. Yeah. Um, it's, I think somebody said that was one of the biggest attendances in the Nashville in the old Nashville, you know, fairgrounds arena in like two decades. Yeah. I think you're right. I, th- I think it outdrew TNA and all that. Um, yeah. But you know, like, but him, by him doing that, I worried more about the slap forgot about the promo. So when I, when I started talking on the mic, it, it felt like to me, it kind of flowed off the tongue a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. But like, Getting to share that with Tracy, you know, and, and you know, my, my trainer, you know, Chris was trained by Tracy. So it's Chase. Yeah. Um, getting to share that with him. Um, it was a big deal to me. It made me feel more connected to Chris and Tracy that I got to do that with him. That's awesome. And like, and even with Josephus, like I remember when Josephus was just a camera guy. Yeah. Before he, yeah. Like, before he even started wrestling, like he would film at Tony's, he even filmed yeah. at Mitch Ryder's when I was there, when I started there. Gotcha. And we would talk old wrestling all the time, old territory wrestling. Like he really appreciated and loved it. And like getting getting to share that with those with you know with those two guys specifically because I had such a connection to them. Like you know, it, it meant the world to me that I got to do that with those guys. You know, totally. Um, totally. I will say this at one time when I was specifically working there with all you guys, my personal Mount Rushmore of the guys that I felt like were going to make it to the next level was Josephus, Jeremiah Plunkett, Drew Haskins, Derek Neal. Now, if I'm forgetting other people and I'm not mentioning like Chris Michaels, Chase, Wolfie D, those guys, I'm talking about the guys that are right there that I feel like would have been to that next level. And you were on that list with Joe. I just felt like y'all looked real and you worked great, but that's my, that was my, while we brought up Joe, I wanted to tell you that man, that I always thought that you, you were part of that, you know, Man, I appreciate that, man. Like, you know, get like, but seriously, getting words, like, getting to share that moment with like Joe. I mean, even with the with the Moon Dog guy, like that was a big deal to me. But just like, I was thinking specifically of Joe and Tracy, like getting to do that moment with them, like, yeah, yeah, it, it meant it really meant a lot to me. Yeah. 
that. No doubt, man. And then working with the Wild Boys. Now, they weren't the romping, stomping, you know, baby faces that were fighting the devils for every match. These these were a little older, wearing camos, wearing Wild Boys t-shirts, but still, they're the Wild Boys. And I don't care. I'm yeah. sure it was, you know, well, just... Like, it- even that 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 meant a big deal to me because like even during that time like I really got to like you know like pick Ben and Steve's brains a lot. Like, oh, dude! All together. Yeah. And well, at that time too, like you know, my my wife was a nurse, so there was sometimes she would work on a Friday night, and I would bring my two oldest boys with me. I know, know that feeling. Two and three yeah. At the, yeah. They, were, they were two and three at the time. Like I'd bring them with me, put them in the locker room. Like, <laughs> you know, and. and like I would, I'd have like Ben, Ben, Ben would help me with them sometimes. Like if I had to go to the ring or, or, you know, Shane Morton or Chris, you know, so that way I could still stay working. Like if it wasn't for those guys, like I wouldn't be able to make the date, you know, in truth. I, yeah. I wouldn't have. And then That's I just learned so much from them. Like, you know, like hearing the story, like I love Ben's stories about global or like, you know, hitting the roads of Barry Horowitz. Yeah. You know, like things like that. Like Ben got to do a, a lot, and Chris, like those guys, got to do so much. They really did. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, in Crossfire and Saw and stuff like that, in 2011, you also got to work some for Mike Porter's NWA main event. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's where we met, but I could be wrong on that. I know you and I eventually met and worked together at Saw as well, but I do remember, if I'm not mistaken, I do remember us working a little together at Mike Porter's NWA main event. Do you remember talking about Mike a little bit there? Yeah, um, I, like when I first started working there, um, I, I know we did Veritas Street. There might have been another another one before that where he was working with Bill Barron. Yeah, yeah, it was. But we uh, I, we were on Veritas though. So okay, okay, yeah, um, I remember those times, man. Like uh, you know, I got to work with some with some pretty good talent during that time. Like I think I worked with Steve O during that time. Um, Steve was great. Yeah. And then I did I did a mixed tag once with uh with Ryan Howe and uh Jesse Bell and Mickey Knuckles. I think we did we did there once. That's awesome. I did some work with LT Falk. Uh and then um I think maybe seven and um man, I'm trying to remember the other guy he tagged with, big guy. Seven uh, and is was it Mustafa or something? Yeah, yeah, Xavier Mustafa. Yeah. Yeah. Xavier Mustafa, yeah. I got to do some work with them too uh, during that time, um, but yeah, man, like I really enjoyed my time there. That that's kind of where I got to uh, know Jeff Daniels a little bit. Oh, dude, yeah. And got to and got to like you know get him to open his brain up to the business, and like like during that time, I think him and Shane Morton were feuding. Yeah. For yeah. Porter. Yeah. Man, okay. that stuff was great. Really good stuff. Oh, dude, they're two talented guys, man. Seriously. Very much so. Yeah. Especially in the promo game and psychological game with Jeff. Oh, man. Man, yeah. he was awesome. Seriously. Absolutely seriously. awesome. And you got Shane as the ultimate baby face. And, I mean, seriously, you just got, you know, such a great tag this team. It's a good combination. It is, man. It is, you know. All right. It looks like uh, in 2014, you worked in uh, IWA Mid-South. How, tell us a little bit about that run. How did that go? Okay, so how that come about? I I did like a one off. Um, it's such that's such a crazy weekend. So like on a Friday, I did like a triple threat match with like Chris Michaels and Matt Hardy somewhere. Oh, wow. I think it was at Centerville, Tennessee. 
And then the next night I go to work for Ian. Um, and it was just kind of a, you know, try it out deal, see how it goes. And, you know, it, it, it went well. Um, there's a lot of people that I worked with in the locker room at that time that, that batted for me mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, told Ian that I was good. And yeah. then, um, I did that one match. And then, uh, from there I began to feud with, uh, with a, with a local baby face there. Uh, his name was, um, Mitch page. Um, honestly, the, the perfect guy to put me with mean Mitch I mean, page. We, we, yeah. Me and yeah. Mitch Page, we downright beat the every living shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> the entire angle. It, not, it, it, it drove me crazy because like the first time I met him, I do the run in, and he tells me before he goes out there to do his match, he goes, I want you to swallow my eyes shut as a shoot. I'm like, no, nah, you're kidding, right? He goes, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm not kidding. And <laughs> I'm going out there, and I'm punching him, and my hand's hurting. And it's almost like that Gypsy Joe thing you hear about hitting me harder, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, harder, I, I, harder. I, I'm sitting here telling brother, I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing left. <laughs> you about to swell my knuckles up. I mean, yeah. I'm not holding back either, you know? Right, right. Um, but that that was the perfect guy for, for you know, Ian to put me with at that time. Um, because, you know, Mitch was a mainstay in IWA Mid-South for God, since the beginning, really. Yeah. Um, and you know that they kind of helped me get on top as a heel at that time. Yeah. Working with it, w- working with a guy like Mitch, and the thing I liked was like Ian put us together, but he kind of let us call the shots on how we were going to do things. Um, and we, you know, we pretty much booked that entire angle between us two, kind of like a Memphis angle. That's awesome. And, and at the time, we were really the only angle going. Uh, there really wasn't an angle anywhere else, uh, you know, on the card. Um, so, you know, we were the story and I mean, we had people, you know, thinking that, you know, we legitimately didn't like each other. You know, we weren't pals on Facebook. We weren't interacting on Twitter together, Yeah. you know, and then like, you know, we kept everything between us as far as talking things out behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so you know, we really had people believing or at least questioning, you know, it, you know, do these guys really not like each other? Is this really a shoot, et cetera? <laughs> and you were working again, you know, guys in that locker room like Bull Payne, Madman Pondo. I mean, there were some great names in, in there. They were always around IWA Mid-South. I, I know that. I don't know if they were specifically there all the time, but yeah. I just. I just know, I know guys, you know, let me ask you this. And this is just a personal question that, especially about IWA Mid-South, because I, I don't have yeah. this opinion because I don't know. I never worked there. But Wolfie D and some other guys like Trailer Park Trash, Frank Miller, some of those guys, they kind of think that IWA Mid-South hurt Kentucky wrestling because of stuff with the commission. Do you feel that way or how, or how do you feel? I mean, I feel to a degree that it did. Um, you know, I, I think, I think sometimes the, and this is just my opinion, but like, I kind of agree with Wolfie because I'm sure, you know, Wolfie felt that way. Right. Oh, totally. That's his opinion. Yeah. I I felt like the violence, the, the, the violence level was too much, uh, to the point that, you know, it did, it did hurt a lot of things in the Kentucky area. Yeah. And that's not not that's not a knock on Ian. I mean, I you know I I've never really even had a problem with him. As right, far as of course. Level. 
Of course. I know yeah. a lot of people have, um, but as far as me, you know, like there was one time I shorted on money, but the next show I had, I had my back paid by the time I even unzipped my bag. Oh, cool. Um, okay. I know that's now I know that's not the story with a lot of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think that did kind of hurt, hurt wrestling in that area. I, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Well, speaking of Wolfie D, in 2016, you actually got to work with him in two different promotions. You actually worked him as Cerebus for AWA. I think it was the company that Chase and and Grumpy Bail Bonds Girl ran. And then you also got to work with him at the NWA New South for for James Carver. Talk about working Wolfie D, man. Man, Wolfie is he's a trip, dude. He's a fun guy to be around in the locker room. Right now, I've heard a couple of stories from Jamie where you you just don't straight up mess with that guy. Right, um, right, right. In in my opinion, I've always thought Wolfie D is that definition of unwithable. <laughs> <laughs> he carries that vibe. <laughs> he, had, he probably had to be that way with Jamie around. That, that, that ain't me kissing ass. That's just me being real. Okay. Right. <laughs> but, right. No. Uh, in all seriousness, both of my experiences working with Wolfie was always good. Through professional, um, always fun to be in the ring with. I mean, what, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, like he was always he was always fun to be in the ring with. Yeah. Like even before that, you know, before we got to work with each other, we've been in the locker rooms with each other. He was always a fun guy to be around, man. Oh, he totally. Really yeah, yeah, he he's definitely that. I remember early on, you know, I was like, "Why are people not bugging him more?" Because he was in the locker room, yeah. And I would and I would go sit over there and talk to him, and I'm like, "Dude, I love PG-13." Because at that point, I'd kind of gotten to the point to where I was really watching a ton of Memphis, and because I grew, we grew up Mid Atlantic kids, we didn't get to see Memphis as much. We didn't have like the Joe Pettacino right. shows or something like that. So yeah. seeing. You know, getting to watch stuff on YouTube and watching, you know, I, and trading tapes early on when I, in my late teens, I started getting tapes from other places and dubbing tapes and stuff like that and actually getting to watch the PG-13 stuff. I became a really big fan. And then I see Wolfie D sitting over there and he looks totally different, but I know it's him. And I'm like, why are people not talking to him, man? I would be bugging the. So I did it. I just said, hey, man, I know I'm a manager, but. Like, what, what do you think, you know, like on this stuff? And he always gave good advice. I never worked with him directly, except I managed a guy against him in a, in, where he, it was a squash match, but you know, uh, Wolfie went over quick, but it, it was okay. But you know, I never really got to work with him. Now I've worked with him for two and a half years on this podcast. So I feel like I know him o- almost as good as anybody, but when it comes down to it, you know, I know one thing is Wolfie cared about getting a good match. That's, that's what he, he, he 100% cared about you know so oh yeah i absolutely agree man like he always wanted to do the best for whatever the situation was yeah that's my opinion but yeah i I agree with wolfie man he was a blast that's awesome that's awesome so in 2017 you actually start working some guys and i believe this is in upw you worked Rob Conway, you worked Abyss, you worked Larry D. You were working some other kind of bigger names around that time. Talk a little bit about that time frame. Man, like as far as like like camera, like looking at a like okay, so you you get taught things and then you kind of forget about things. Yeah. And then you get you get that light bulb moment later on, right? And yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. kind of 
that's kind of what happened to me with Rob Conway, like working with him. Like, um, it was, I actually worked, uh, an angle with him in two different places. Uh, I was working not only UPW, but even for, uh, Carver's, uh, NWA New South. At the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah. I, I, I remember I'm cutting promos in the back at NWA New South and he's like, Hey, try this or like, try this facial or whatever, like after a take. And like, so like, he actually like took the time to like stand back there and like watch my stuff and things like that. And wh- which like, I really greatly appreciate it because I mean, it's Rob Cop. Like, he don't have to do that if he don't want right. to. Right, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, like I got to work an angle with him between two different promotions, which was awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, he was, and, and Rob was a pleasure to work with. I mean, like, he even went as far as like uh, plugging the show that we, the, the blow off match that we had. He plugged it on like WHS WHAS eleven in Louisville. Wow! Like man. two days before. Nice. Like they had him on TV. He plugged it, and then we did the blow off a couple of days later. Um, Abyss was truly a pleasure. Um, a very you know very easy guy to work with. Um, you know, it even honestly, I felt like it made it a little easier when when he found out who I was trained by because he, you know, he was very close to them early on. Yeah, you know, when TNA was getting started, um, really had a lot of fun working with him. Very easy, uh, very professional, very kind. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Rob and Abyss were great, great guys. Very cool. So talk about some of your favorite like tag partners. I know we've talked about a few of them, but talk, talk about some of your favorite tag partners through your career. Um, you know, as honestly, it's probably more recent in my career, but like some of my favorite tag partners would probably be uh, Jeremiah Plunkett or, uh, nice. or Eric Andrews. Like I, I really like tagging with those boys. That's a lot of fun. I felt like that we had a good chemistry. Yeah. Um, we could, as far as like, as the match progressed, we could do things without really having to communicate with each other because we knew each other so well. Yeah. And I think with those things that kind of really helped with the flow of the match. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, you and Plunky, I could see y'all on any TV channel right now as a Oh hot man, we were great. We had so much fun together, man. I love tagging with him. Yeah. We always had such a good time. Yeah. Like honestly, before like before like I hang it up and bow out, like I hope we get one more run together. Dude, man, if y'all need a heel manager, I'll uh, I'll be glad to help y'all out with that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll call you up from ONC, Bubba. I love it. Just let me know. I'll and be come there. Come on down, make the town. Yeah. So in 2020, this is kind of interesting because, you know, I've never, we've never brought this up with another guy. And it's honestly because a lot of the guys had already retired by this point. But in 2020, how was man, how, because you're an active wrestler, you were just in Pennsylvania, I think, right? Recently, like you were literally, yeah, yeah, last yeah. weekend. And so how was COVID? for an active wrestler on the indies how was that how what did that do man it was uh it was something else okay so like there's this big 16-man tournament that happens in alabama once a year they call it the haas tournament a lot of people think it's like big boys going at it but it's actually called the heart of the southern 16 that's what like you Hmm. know each letter stands for Okay. It's a company called New South Pro Wrestling, based out of Alabama. Um, I won the tournament in early 2020. I won the whole thing. 
Uh, the final will come down to me and a guy named Chris Crump based out of Chattanooga, A.R. Fox, and Kurt Stallion, who later went on to WWE at that time. Um, I, I went over in the tournament, um, and then the world shut down, like, the next week. It's hey, <laughs> kind yeah. of right on the work. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, New South come back up again in, in the summer. Uh, they kind of did some things to follow protocol as far as like limiting, you know, the amount of people that could buy a ticket, mask wearing, all that good jazz. Um, it was, it, it, it was very different. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I would honestly say like during the pandemic, it helped me realize how much we need fans yeah. to feed yeah. off of our own energy. Yeah. Um, True. Because the TV know. shows were horrible during that time. I hate to say it. Oh, you know? God, yes. Like it was, I loved like, it. Okay, like, like look yeah, at I, the NWA, for example. Like NWA totally. was like, wait, I was enjoying that show so much. Me too, like, man. Before the pandemic. Yeah. Like, they were on the rise, and then the pandemic just, you know, yep. it, it, it really hurt the product. And, and like, I don't, and I'm not saying just NWA, but, like, I think as a business as a whole, I mean, God, it hurt it bad. It did, um, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and since then, like I did, I did do limited crowds. You know, I, I worked with people that, you know, maybe that's probably not a cage match or people don't know about, I don't know, but like, you know, going into the summer of the pandemic, like I, I went 15 minutes with Brian Tillman Jr. And like, yeah, I saw that Huntsville, Alabama. I saw that. Uh, dude. How was that, man? It, it was, uh, it was fun. It was a good time. Brian, yeah. Brian's a really good kid. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I didn't really have, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about the guy. Like I, I thought he did pretty, I thought he did well and we had fun and, you know, but, uh, but like it, it was, it was just such a hard time. It was so different. Like even me, I'm like, I did like close, close set taping. Yeah. And like, you realize like, we always know the, the fans of professional wrestling is important. Right. But like when you're in a close set taping and you're having to, to dig for that energy on your own and you're feeling every bump and every <laughs> strike. Yeah. And things like that. And then by the time you leave the taping, let's say you start at eight o'clock and by the time you leave at two AM and you feel like you've been ran over by like two, four, three fifties, <laughs> uh, you mm. really realize how important the fans are. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like without them like we would obviously truly be nothing right absolutely um yeah yeah it was such like i would say from obviously from 2020 and i would even go on into from 2020 to the spring of 2021 it was very hard to do this shit yeah like there'd be days like i would do like we would do those tapings like i would even do like uh like have you guys heard of paradigm pro wrestling yeah i've heard of that yeah okay so like i did uh that that's another thing that i'd that I did was, uh, the US, the, the UWFI, like shoot style stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Pancrase. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, kind of like that. A lot of people don't know, but I'm technically the first, uh, match on U UWFI match on, uh, US soil in 25 years. Wow. I did it with okay. Eric. I did it with Eric Stevens. Okay. Former, um, ROH star and, uh, in November, 2019. I was the very yeah. first match. We did tournament that year. But like doing, you know, when we're doing that kind of stuff, we're taping like you're taping four, six weeks worth of TV. Yeah. Or, or at, well, it goes on IWTV. Um, but, you know, like 
God, you feel like you've been you've been hit by you know two trucks by the time you walk out of there. <laughs> Probably because you had actually. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Um, but like it's it's hard. It's not you know like it was really hard during that time. Like I really realized how much a wrestler fed off the the crowd the the energy of the crowd during that time. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I always knew we did. But I didn't realize how like paramount it was until like you ain't got no crowd. Yeah, because like that Terry Funk Jerry Lawler, you know, empty arena match. That's kind of like a novelty, right? You know, it's like okay, that oh, was yeah, one that's time something special, right? That probably never be replicated again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, no then doubt. if you think about a whole show and then a whole year of shows just like that, and they ran out the guys, you know, like talking about WWE, they ran out the kids from NXT, or talking about AEW, they ran out the backstage. I mean, they tried to do what they could with it, but the magic of the actual fan being there because even the boys are only going to give you so much you know what i'm saying because yeah. they're like no, I, I, it's only yeah. going to get you so far right yeah but anyway i i've always wondered that because i haven't really been able to talk to anybody specifically that's been working and especially through the covid times because you know i i can imagine did any bookings just totally dry up at all um i mean it did i mean it obviously reduced right um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, like I was probably like before COVID, I was honestly probably working like probably eight times, eight to anywhere from eight to twelve times a month. Yeah, okay. Um, and then it, it it went down to like maybe four to six. Like I mean, it did drop. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty much in half, man. Ooh. Yeah, it's brutal. So you know, one of your more recent things that um, is working, you know, at AEW, you work Big Bill. Um, how was, how was that? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, tell us what you can tell us like producer wise who, who produced it and, um, you know, stuff like that. Well, Kevin Kelly helped me get that. Oh, cool. I've been, uh, I've been, been working, uh, Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a promoter up there or he was, he, he's not there now, but he was at the beginning of the year all the way to about September. That's cool. Yeah. You know, one thing that was good was um, Jer- Jerry Lynn was my was my producer was my oh, agent on the mat. There you go. Which you knew Which, him, yeah. I knew I knew I knew Jerry because like if you, I'm sure if you look back at the timeline from like I'd say like 2000, 2009, 10, 11, like Jerry Lynn, Kid Cash, like they were at the stadium in pretty regularly for Tony right. or right. for or, or for Bill the Shields with the with the you know the ATL wrestling, right? Um. But, uh, so like that made me feel very comfortable knowing that, you know, I had somebody that I knew, um, Bill, you know, Bill and Ricky, true pros, great guys to work with. Um, I didn't, you know, they, I felt like they, those guys, those boys treated me as their equal. They didn't treat me any less than or anything like that. And, uh, they knew that I was, you know, I, I felt like they knew that I was, you know, that like we had to work together to make this thing get over yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I, I felt like we did it. I felt like I, I did a decent job for the most part. Uh, from and from the feedback that I got, you know, I, yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah, you um, did good, man. We were proud of it. I was happy to see that, man. I really was. I was marking out for you, dude. So it was such a shocking moment, you know. Like I, I didn't like. I thought I was probably just gonna get like Ring of Honor or something like you know like taping like after, which sure. I, you know. I, I would be happy with anything that I would get, but um, 
but yeah, like they dropped that on me about an hour before. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like it's, this is wild, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but the, my experience at AEW was really good. I mean, everybody was really kind, really professional. Um, and I really enjoyed my overall experience there. So, so did you meet Tony at all? Uh, Tony, um, I did see him uh, going through Gorilla. Like that, that man is like he. That man works his ass off. I I can already tell. Yeah. He was right there in Gorilla. Like before I was going to make my way down the ramp. Like okay. he was right there. Yeah. And then, and then um, I I went out. I kind of snuck out to watch the last of the show because they had like a couple of tapings afterwards. Okay. Very and cool. when the show was totally over, Tony was still there. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. Like yeah. when, when he, when that, you know, I'm sure you probably hear like t- in tweets and interviews, the man works like 80 hours a week or whatever, a hundred hours. Yeah. Like the man really does. Cause he, he was, he was right there when I left. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people think of him as just this gigantic money mark that really is just there to pay the bills and leave. But I mean, I think that right there shows you that now when it comes down to it, do I love everything AEW does far from it? Do I love everything WWE does far, far from, from it? it. <laughs> but what I mean by that right. is, you know, it, Tony is the is quintessential. He's the other Vince McMahon, especially. So he's probably thinking that that's how you have to do it. And I assume that really is how you have to do it it you know so yeah, yeah like i i would i would honestly like just just off of that one one experience alone like you you already know like i noticed by like when i'm walking through to leave to grab my stuff and leave and tony is still there like that shows you like 110 percent like he's in the weeds with his team like all the way through yeah so, yeah and, so, he, and he's committed to making this thing work too. You know, it, not that it's not, yeah, he, not that it wasn't is, already working, but he's committed to the future of it too. No, he he truly like one hundred ten million whatever percent. Like he cares about what he's doing. Like you, like and you could tell that by you know like if like he's staying there to the very end. Like literally, like he's getting his stuff together as protect, production is starting to tear down the stage. Yeah, like he's there to the very last minute. So That's cool. like. If that if that doesn't show you that he cares, I I don't know what does. You know, right? Amen. Is is there a possible return in the future? I haven't heard anything yet. Um, I do I do got some good things coming up in the future. Um, Very cool. I can't really say yet, but some but one is not in the United States. Oh, bro! Mm. Oh, bro! So, oh my God! Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't really, I can't really say what that is yet. But I mean, I'm sure if you pay attention long enough, it, it'll, you know, you'll catch on. Come back mm-hmm. on after that happens, and we'll talk about it in a part two. Okay, that that works. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rad, bro. I, I know that's huge for you. If I'm smelling what the the King's Road Slayer is cooking, I'm I'm feeling you there. So that's very cool. I mean, especially like this late in my career, you know, it's wild. You know, yeah. like. Yeah, can't believe this shit's happening. <laughs> hey, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. Well, you know this this kind of wraps up the main interview. Now we do a little thing at the end of every show called the name game. Derek, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's okay. We take it easy on you. But would you like to play the name game? Uh, yeah, man. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Had me worried for a second. <laughs> that was the best reply ever. Nobody's ever turned it down. That's kind of an awkward pause, boys. Yeah, no, I like the pregnant pause. I hear you right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. We'll be right back with Derek Neal in the name game. DJ, hit that music. All right, we are back with the name game and our very special guest, the King's Road Slayer, Derek Neal. And the very first name on the list is Richard Lowe. Um, mentor uh, took me under my wing, uh, took me under his wing um, very early in my career and kind of, you know, helped me get things going, helped me get my momentum going to where I am today. Yeah, that's cool. How about White Tiger? White Tiger. Um, fun. To be around the locker room, really enjoy tagging with him. Um, good personality. Great person. Nice. All right. The next one on the list, the legendary boy, Tony Falk. <laughs> Tony Falk gave me my chance when a lot of guys never would as far as promoters. Gave me a lot of advice and tell me to keep hitting that gym, hitting that tennis bed, bubba. And I can't, and you know, oh, LT, I tell LT, you know, he's missed 110%. I tell LT, he got to go to the gym. He got to put in that 110%. LT, LT, you got to get in the gym. You got to get the tan. You get the booking. That crow, that crow just drives me up the wall. He got the TV. You know, I love crow, but crow, he drives me up the wall. <laughs> I lo- love big crow, big, big crow, we got on the booking sheet next week, big crow. <laughs> Tony's the best. And, yeah. Tony's awesome, man. Love dude, Tony. He, he gave so much of us guys a chance. Oh, totally. Absolutely. When he didn't he really even have did, to, man. you know, and yeah, Wolfie and I got him on our podcast and I, it took us like six months to get him on the show because he is a Captain Kayfabe, man. He does not. Oh, 100%. He, yeah. And it was funny when I got him on the phone. Finally, I said, hey, Tony, you want to come on my podcast with Wolfie? He was like, let me tell you something, brother. I don't do a lot of these, but I was talking to LT. LT said, y'all are on fire. Y'all are doing it big. And yeah, I would love to come on the show. It's like. It's like, you know, you had to get that LT, uh, you know, the, the, the LT to tell him it was okay. You know, like, okay, they're, they're doing all right. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. You got I love that though. I thought it was awesome. So yeah. All right. The next one on the list is Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn. Um, I've never had a bad experience with Kevin Dunn. Um, I mean, every time we had in the ring together was, was good. was fun. Um, that's about it. I mean, he was always good to me. Yeah. Yeah. How about Tim Ernesto? Tim Ernesto. Learned a lot from Tim Ernesto. Um, he gave me my shot in Shelbyville. Um, got to work with him there. Uh, he always seemed to to believe in me a little bit when, when others didn't. That's cool. That's cool. Well, the next one up is Stylin' Shane Eden. Stylin' man. I want to, that man is like, you could pick that man one out of a million. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now. Yeah, but fun to be around, dude. Wild <laughs> shit. At least he was the last time I seen him. Yeah, he. Yeah, I, that's that's the best way to say it, right there. Honestly, <laughs> he's a character, bro. He yeah. is different, no doubt. <laughs> you know he is there when he's there. Let's just say that. You know, uh, like if he's in a locker room, you gonna know it. 
Yeah, there ain't no yeah. doubt about that. Exactly. Yeah, he came up he to Saw a few times. Million. Yeah, you're right. That's the best way to say it. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. All right, the next one on the list is the big picture Mike Jablonski, a buddy of the show. Mike Jablonski, he was actually um, my third match ever in wrestling, or second, I think. Wow. At the Gallatin VFW Hall. Mike, I love you, but you almost squashed my head on a damn sunset clip. <laughs> oh man! When when you was a much larger man, yeah, than you yeah, probably are now. Yeah, but yeah. no, Mike was always cool with me though, man. And I like he was always cool with me. I felt like we were always on the same page. Yeah, for the most part in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, I like I don't really have anything bad to say about Mike at all, man. We always had fun in there. That's cool, man. That's cool. How about Mitch Ryder? Mitch Ryder, baby. Um, <laughs> um, I'm very like thankful because um, you know, like working with him at USWO for Nashville for Tony. That's that's how I got to the Midwest. Working with Mitch, you know, he got me booked in his promotion. Um, you know, by telling Todd that you know, hey, take a look at this kid. You know, Todd. You know, between Mitch and Chris, that helped me get in there. And then, like, I got to turn, I got to tag with Mitch a lot at uh, at IWA Mid South in my 2016 run. There, um, I'm gonna tell you right now, I've never seen a guy that could cut a promo like Mitch can. Like, literally, you could tell, you could say to Mitch Ryder, "Hey, you got this guy. Here's the date. They turn the red light on, and he just goes." It's as magic. far as like psychologically promos yeah. and just being believable in the ring, like. Mitch was the man, and um, yeah, I miss him, man. I wish he was still here with us today. No, yeah, that's awesome. I miss him a lot. That's that's yeah. Too many are gone, man. Too many are gone. It is too too many of the good ones are gone. You know, the other night I was talking to Ben Jordan, and you know. I was on my drive home. I visited Nashville to see my son. And we were talking on the phone. And, and Ben always has a little scratch. You know how he is, man. He always has a little something of wisdom to drop on you. And he said, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, that you either are the one to go or the one that's still alive. And he doesn't know which yeah. is worse sometimes. Because sometimes you're either going to be the one that outlives them all. And then you've got to bear that weight of all that grief or you you go you know and he was just kind of saying yeah. he does and that was so i mean that you know like those you talking about the light bulbs going off that was like a light bulb for me i was like holy crap he's right man you know you it either yeah it does man so the next one on the list is another one that's gone and and we didn't really talk about your time working for him but you know nwa top rope and mike cersey mike cersey um mike cersey he was always good to me man like I never had an issue with him um, because of him. Like I got to travel to other NWA affiliates. Yeah, I got a um, when I was much much smaller and leaner. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a I got a NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Title Championship match thanks to him. Was that against Kevin? Um, what's his name? Kevin. Uh, uh, Kevin Douglas. Yeah, Kevin Douglas. Yeah. 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 And that that was at Lebanon. Um, oh man, that was a that was a story that I was gonna tell y'all if you if y'all got top. Of course. Uh, so okay, so we this is like December of 2011. We're gonna do a two day shot, so we're gonna do like NWA Houston, and then we do NWA Amarillo the next day. So we do Houston, and we get boozed up. It's me, Hammerjack or Kenny Jack. 
Like Kenny Jack. Kenny Jack. I, I love I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to say it on there. Kenny Jack, baby. I love you. <laughs> uh, Tasha Simone, Eric Andrews, and me. And we go to the bar to mingle, you know, shoot the shit with the boys right after the show. Yeah. And we just drinking and drinking and drink. We we close the bar. We go to Denny's. We're leaving Denny's. Tasha Simone puking in the damn front lawn of Denny's. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I may or may not have drunk dialed Tracy Smothers and Bull Payne. They were they were very uh, gracious with me. Uh, well, it, well, Amarillo gets canceled. Okay. Yeah. We find this out very early in the morning. Yeah. So Cersei decides in Houston we're going to wake you all up at five and we're going to drive back to Levin in Tennessee. Oh my God. So we drive all the way back to Lebanon with no plans of working at all. Yeah. And then all of the matches went short that night. We get there at, at, at intermission, last intermission before Maine. Eric and I get dressed and we go do an hour. Yeah. In the ring. We do an hour. Wow. Wow. And, and then the next morning, I got to drive to like some Christmas thing in Louisville for the family. Having my wife elbow me all the way up to Louisville to make sure I don't kill us in the car. It was fun. <laughs> That's the life, Good right? That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the life. Oh, man. Searchy was always fair to me, though, man. I, I, I can't say a bad thing about the man at all. He's always yeah. kind to me, always fair. Yeah. How about, how about Terry England? Terry England, I love Terry, but that son of a bitch is a cheapskate. Um, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you for shoot man won't deny it Uh, one time we was at a restaurant and he collected all the tips off of other tables to pay for his meal oh my my gosh that's like Rip Rogers stories right there other than you know know, that's like a Rip Rogers story right there (laughs) although I think Rip would just take the food off the plates is what he would do but yeah wow But, but but Terry Terry gave me a chance in this state when nobody would, you know, like, like Terry was always giving young guys a shot. Yeah. Um, that's still, cool. Like, it, I mean, that's, that's a funny story. I know, but like, in all seriousness, like he's still somebody I have a lot of respect and admiration for and, and grateful for the fact that he gave me a chance when, when a lot of people weren't. Yeah, that's cool. The next guy on the list is Anthony Wayne. Anthony Wayne. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I've never had a really bad interaction with him. Uh, yeah. you know, everything's, everything's been pretty, pretty cool for us for, for the most part. I don't really, I'm sure you got, you guys keep up with the internet, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I don't agree, agree with the whole kick pad thing, but whatever. <laughs> Understand. I mean, I don't yeah. wear kick pads, but, but damn, you know, right. <laughs> some people throw kicks, man. I don't right. know. That's my is if you don't have kicks and you wear kick pads, that's the only part I don't like is when they have kick that's pads no-no. on. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's bullshit. Like they if don't, you're throwing kicks and you're wearing them, fine. Yeah, let it go. Where everybody, where everybody says, well, you're protecting your opponent, but uh, wouldn't you really be protecting yourself too? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about Ben Jordan and the Wild Boys? The men, dude. Yeah, Ben and Steve are awesome guys. Wild man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really, I really got, I really got to connect with those boys a lot in early stall, you know, with TJ at the old sawmill. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, just, just listening to stories from them guys and like, you know, taking advice and, you know, and like, I didn't learn just stuff about wrestling, but I learned things about life from them too. Mm-hmm. Steve. Um, you know, they, and, and when, you know, like I said, like I said earlier in the interview that, you know, when I have to bring my kids with me, you know, while my wife was working, like, you know, they, they'd help me out with that stuff, man. Like we wouldn't talk just about wrestling, but we talk about like our families and our life and like how things are going. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I felt like with Ben and Steve, like I really, I, I really gained not, not only like, like mentors that I could look up to and ask for advice out of those guys, but I felt like that, that I made personal friends, you know, with those boys. Yeah. Yeah. That's they true. have hearts of gold, man. They really do. Both of them. Uh, and I love them dearly. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, the next one, we talked a little bit about him earlier, but Josephus. Josephus, man. Oh, man. It's crazy, like, that, you know, me, like, it, it was wild, like, it was wild seeing him when I first met him, right, as a guy just holding a camera, and we're talking old wrestling to see how he ended up, like, on the NWA and doing all that stuff, man. Like, it was, it was truly amazing how he leveled himself up, and, uh, you know, and... And he was, he was just, a, I thought he was a humble person in my opinion. He was fun to talk to and, and probably out of wrestling, one of the most intelligent people I've ever known. Absolutely. Um, well, book read. I'm such a, dude. a smart guy. Yeah, literally. Such an intelligent human being. And that like, as far as like wrestler, like wrestler death, like it's always sad when we see one of our brothers and sisters go. Right. But when when it's when it's somebody that you have some kind of attachment to, like it hits you even harder. Yeah. Um, yeah and with Joe, between Joe and Tracy, like as far as in recent memory, those those are the worst. Um, yeah. It just it just it's a gut punch. It, it really is. And you know, but I love Josephus. He's he's such a great guy to be around. Yeah, no doubt. How about Tracy Smothers? That's another one. Um, you know, it, it's probably one of the worst, like, I feel like it's one of the worst things I ever said, um, was, it was about, it was a couple of days before Tracy died, because I bought his book, you know, mm-hmm. we talked through Messenger some, you know, just mm-hmm. checking in, Yeah. and I bought his book, and, and, it, and I got it autographed, and I bought it, like, four months before, and it was, like, the day before he passed, I, I was going to, through some things, because, um, I was try, just trying to organize some stuff in my house, and, I come across his book and I was like, man, I hope I, re- I read that thing before he's gone. Yeah. And it wasn't, I, I got the message today. Maybe he was gone. Oh, and, man. uh, sorry, y'all, man. That's cool. Oh, man. It, uh, no, it's... But that hit me so hard. I mean, it, that, that was that, you know, it was so kind of, it was just like so cataclysmic and in line because you have Tracy and then I want to say Mitch may have not been too long before after that. And then Joe, yeah, yeah. it's just like, but Tracy really hit me hard just because like I, he was a, he heavily influenced my, my trainer's careers and lives. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I met when I first met Tracy, I was just an 18 year old kid, you know? So I felt like, so basically I know Tracy over, you know, nearly half of my life at this point when he passed. And, um, it, that, that one, that one is by far hit me the hardest. 
Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah. I remember he said one time, and I'm going to ask so we can pep it up a little here so you have an end on a happy note with him. You know, I remember he looked out, and we were at Saul one time, when he looked out in the crowd, and he said, well, if they riot, we can take them. (laughs) He said that one time when he was at IWA Mid-South. Yeah. Yeah, early 2016, and they did riot there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, yeah. he looked out. He peeked out the curtain before this was before the show, like like ten minutes before. He goes, "Boys, if there's a riot out there, we got them outnumbered." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah. the best thing I ever heard in my life, dude. I never popped so hard ever. I know. I know. Oh man. That or you know that or the you know the brother don't care. You know, brother right. don't care. We got a bump tonight. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So the very last one on the name game, and by the way, this has been a great name game. The very last one, we couldn't have a name game with Derek Neal if we didn't say Chris Michaels. Um, my, I feel like he's my true, my true savior of pro wrestling. Um, he's my dad. I call him dad still to this day. Yeah. Um, somebody I can confide, can fight in about how I feel about stuff. Not yeah. just wrestling, but but personal life. My best, my best friend. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if if it wasn't for him, I probably would have been uh, a forty miler working once a month and in one town for fifteen twenty years. Yeah, and that's funny because like, Tracy is, was that for Chris. You know what I'm saying? So it's all tied yes. together. You know, Chris, Chris was was the sole person. I, I think one of the one of the sole people other than myself. You know, one of the sole people responsible for how my career turned out. I, w- I wouldn't be nothing without that, man. That's awesome. I really wouldn't. Well, good news, man. You totally passed the name game. Good job, Derek. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> well, we've always end every show with one final question from our plastic sheet, Jared Street. Take it away, Jared. All right, Derek. So this is, I'm sure it's going to be a tough question, but um, if you could look back on, you know, all the matches in your career so far, like what? And you had like a favorite match, one or two. Give me your favorite match of all time. Okay, um, one was uh, with uh, Chris Michaels, Franklin, Kentucky, 2010. Okay, um, absolutely love that match. The second one would be with a guy. He's in Alabama. Look him up if you don't know him. His name's Cabana Man Dan. Yeah, I've heard of him. I don't know yeah, if that name or not? Yeah, absolutely. I had yeah. A, I had a match with him uh, WrestleMania week in Tampa, Florida, 2021. Um, I defended the uh, the New South Heavyweight Championship. That's the the promotion based out of Alabama. Yeah. Um, th- those two are my favorite. Th- those probably those two that, that I can think of like right off the top of my head. That's awesome. Um, hey man, that's what. Like what that, even that's awesome. even that match, even that match uh, with Dan was one of uh, Gabe Sapolsky's favorites of that Mania week. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Derek, thank you so much for being with us on this show, man. And thank you so much for telling your story. And thank you so much for just, you know, giving your time and and just thank you so much for what you've given to the business too, man. We just greatly appreciate you for everything. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah. I absolutely. Fun today. Good. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, yeah for sure, Bubba. It was a good time. Yeah, and when that thing happens in the future, you come back and talk to us again, okay? Because we want to hear all about it. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you, Derek. All right. Thank you, boys. Yes, sir. All right, man. See you. <laughs> Bye. All right. See you, man. All right. We'll be right back to wrap things up with the Plastic Chic on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, Derek. 
You're the best. Yeah, man. That's fun, boys. Hey, everyone. This is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Oh, man, Sheik, what did I say? Kings Road Slayer, Derek Neal. He's awesome, right? Man, what a guy. He's got such good stories, and he just... uh you know, he's great to talk to and there's, you know, there's so much more we could cover with him. And again, we, as always, we talk about people, we'd love to have a part two with them. So oh, know, we we're will. down the road, man. Yeah. He's got big stuff coming up and, and it's just so funny. He's just a true road warrior, man. He really is. He stays gone and, and he is just putting himself out there working his butt off. And he is a guy that you could honestly put up on a wall and say like, all right, kids, you're starting the business. This could be your path. Try and follow this and see where it takes you. You know, I'm very happy that he got the AEW job. I love to see that. And I hope he gets more, man. I, I just, I see big things for Derek. I really do. So, yeah, man, when you got somebody can, can work and work safely with people, you know, you're going to, they're going to be in demand for, um, yeah. you know, yeah. companies. So I'm hoping and uh, looking out for more for me. Absolutely. Well, to kind of wrap things up, obviously, if you haven't heard the Scott Spade episode, it was incredible. Go back and listen to that. Also, if you don't mind, go check out the very first episode of Stories from Across the Street with myself and still real to me, damn it, Dave Wills. Also, you know, we thank y'all so much. Definitely go check out the Turning Up the Heat podcast. Now, here's the deal. This is my buddy, the Heat Miser, Scotty Blaze. actually put together a commercial for him, helped him out early on with this podcast. And he actually sadly lost his son to a very tragic incident and he stopped doing his podcast and who could blame him? And he's been away from it for a while and he's got it on his heart to start it again and get it going up again. So go check out the Turning Up the Heat podcast with the heat miser scotty blaze i think his next episode is going to be on november 6th and this will be a very emotional one you know bring the kleenexes to this one i think you'll enjoy his stuff he plays music he talks about news he's a wrestler he actually wrestled with my mentor kenny still quite a bit but when it comes down to it he's actually a great podcaster too so go check him out turning up the heat on november 6th he's coming back and i promise you that's going to be a good episode but hey, as always thank you for checking checking out our shows of course the live and in color with wolfie d thank y'all for listening to those one other thing you know if you want to see and know what's 
coming up next for us. Go to our social media pages at GMBMPW on Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Instagram, YouTube. That's where you can find all the upcoming news. You also get to watch some chic shorts, right, man? Absolutely, man. That's worth the price of admission alone right there. So, <laughs> yeah. But once again, we just thank you all so much. Thank Derek, Neil. Thank thank all the people that listen. Thank you, Jared, for being my co-host. Just really appreciate the the fun we're having with this. So Yeah, man. And, and thank you for all you do, you know, producing this and uh, editing and all the stuff you do, man, putting them together. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. It, it's definitely a job that I love to do, and it means the world that y'all listen to us. And and honestly, the next few shows, y'all are really going to want to tune in because we've got some great guests coming up. I don't want to drop any names, but let's just say these are some guys that have been there and have done that. So once again, for the Kings Road Slayer, Derek Neal, the Plastic Sheet, Jared Street, I'm Jimmy Street, and this has been Give Me Back, my pro wrestling don't forget fight forever <laughs> with a tear in my eye <laughs> with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life This has been a James Rock Street production.